This is We Need to Talk with Dr. Darcy Sterling, your source for all things dating and relationships, where we inspire and empower you with tools and skills you need to love better so you can live better. I'm Darcy Sterling. And I'm Ashton Turnip, and I am very excited for today's show. I bet you are. Have you been cobbling together all your questions on first dates, do's and don'ts? Oh, yes. Um, Absolutely. As you know, I'm newly single, and the traumatic story as to why and how was the subject of our last episode. Um, So this is a refreshing um, segue from that first one. So wait, are you like literally, have you like gone on any first dates? I, I have. I have been on one. And I actually have another one tonight. Um, so yeah, I did finally pull the trigger and go on a first date. Yeah, so I thought that it went great. Granted, I took a very long time in deciding a when I wanted to go on a date, and I was very selective as to who. So it felt right to me, timing-wise, person-wise, and I thought it was a great first date, you know, all things considered. So you were waiting for a pause so that you could grieve your last relationship before you jump back into it. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. And I also just wanted to make sure that I was healing and not distracting, which was important because not everyone is very upfront with what they're looking for in the beginning when they're dating. And I would never want to lead someone on or them get into something with me and be like, oh, I was not aware that, you know, this is the place you're in or whatever. hundred percent. No, I only wish more people did that. I can't even, Mm. I can't even go. I mean, I'm sure we will go into how um, important that is to state your intention. But that aside, dating in 2023 has changed. Dating has changed so much and it continues to change so much every advancing year that literally just before the pandemic four years ago, it's entirely different. The dating world is entirely Mm -hmm. different. The pacing and cadence of how you respond to people has changed. It's it's really remarkable. It's nothing, I mean, aside from the fact that now everybody meets through the dating apps, basically Mm -hmm. most people meet people that way. But aside from that, it the dating apps has just opened a door to so much choice. There's mm-hmm. so much choice overload. Literally, it's like managing a part-time job a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I had just I just brought several young adults through getting back into the dating scene and setting up their profiles um, and helping them out, figuring out like what exactly is the right pacing at each point and how to optimize their profiles at the very top of the whole thing. And I have to tell you, thank God I had that experience as the global ambassador to Tinder because I would have no idea how to guide people through this stuff. It's literally marketing. And for people who are Mm -hmm. introverted and super down to earth and not so interested in like blowing themselves up and like flexing how great a partner they would be, it's so difficult to do this. It is so difficult to date. And because there's such choice overload, people will sometimes pass by great, great opportunities with great humans because they don't know how to do it. And I'm I'm really excited to provide some clarity around that today. Um, I'm very excited to hear it because 
I am back on the dating apps. You know, when you're single, that's, I think, one of the first moves that you do if you are interested in actively dating. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is definitely can feel like a game. You literally are on this app just looking at people left, right, whatever. And it's really just I found myself after being out of the game for two years. um, Where do I start? Like what? How do I, you know, represent myself on this app in the way that I want to? Um, So, yeah. I have a lot of questions for you. Um, So let's start with setting up your profile. Something that seems so daunting that took me personally almost two hours. Um, And you're marketing and PR. Let me just state that. So if it took you personally two hours, imagine what somebody else goes through. First things first, obviously it's a visual platform. So what Mm -hmm. types of photos do you recommend that people put on their profile? And does this differentiate between like a woman versus a man? Or is it kind of universal? It's universal. So what the data shows us is that three basic photos are necessary. Yeah. And and I hate, I hate even describing this. It sounds, it sounds so markety. It sounds so like (laughs) prefabbed, but it's the truth. The the people who get the best results on across all the pla I mean, I, I can only speak for the match group because that's the only data I had access to, but that includes match.com. That includes, I think they owned or bought uh, plenty of fish. That includes Tinder. So three of the biggest platforms across the board, you need three basic photos. You need the headshot, you need the mid body, you need the full body. And I mean, yeah, that, I mean, listen, this I makes know. sense. This makes sense. It's a little cringy. I, I know it's a little cringy because like, you know, who the hell has a headshot just sitting around? And we're women. A good one. A good like, one. Like guys are even at a greater disadvantage because Absolutely. they're not taking selfies everywhere no. they go. Oh my God. That could be a whole nother episode. But yes. So you need the, yes, we, continue. You need the three basic photos. And here's the thing. The people who do the best that get the most amount of interaction from users are the people who look kind of like the girl next door. Doesn't mean you can't. I mean, right. So like. So approachable, but attractive. Right. The vampy, overly sexy photos, they do not do well. They do not do well. And when they do do well, look, I'm just speaking to the data. I'm not speaking to anybody's personal, unique, anecdotal experience. And what we know is that if you think about it from a psychological lens, it actually makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. When we want to approach somebody anywhere, we want them to look approachable. So a Mm -hmm. smile can turn a super sexy, um, I don't even want to say overwhelming shot because like your shot's not going to be necessarily overwhelming, but like, like, or an off-putting shot. I know what you're trying to say here. Like you don't want to seem like so intimidating. Intimidating, yeah. Intimidating. Yeah. So even at the 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 most glamorous, super glammed up, vampy shot softens if you just look in the camera and smile. And I'm not talking. So the, for those of you that aren't watching this, uh, there we're recording this on video as well. I just made like the sexy kind of. Smirk, smirky smile. It, it's really, it's intimidating. It's intimidating. It's particularly wow. intimidating okay. men, believe it or not. And the men that you are going to attract, and I've heard this over and over and over again from women, they're like, I don't understand why these guys are just like, 
looking to hook up on the first date. And mm. that's one of the reasons why I love to do a profile audit because I can find the things. Look, we're sexually liberated. It's 2023. I am not trying to put anybody in a box or say that we can't be sexual beings. I'm simply saying that the smiles, they do the best because they what they communicate is that you're approachable and that you're not scary to the other person. It's really basic psychology if you think about it. The other thing I will say is ditch the sunglasses and hats. Those okay, yeah. Those are like camouflage. That's you know, it's serial killers and like murders <laughs> too. So they can't be identified. And then it gets really tricky when you're IRL on the first date and the guy or the woman can't identify you because all your pictures yeah. were like these artsy pictures. The artsy pictures do not tend to do as well mm -hmm. as the straightforward pictures. And I would say that that mid, that mid picture of like part of your body or maybe like from your torso up, those do best when they capture you doing an activity that you really love, like mm. showing you doing something that you enjoy because then you're communicating a couple of things. This is what I look like. This is what I like to do. Great. That makes a lot of sense. Unfortunately, I feel like there are such few people who have this type of content, me being one of them. Um, and I think you actually called this out to me at one point, like a long time ago, you were like, huh, I've noticed you, you're drinking and a lot of your photos. And um, speaking of things I love to do. Um, for the record, yeah. we're a family of drinkers. We drink. I do not yeah. judge you for the drinking. But if you're, if you're, you look like a party girl. It can look like a party girl. Yeah. And then you can potentially not be getting the serious people that you want. Because, you know, especially you, Ashton, you are somebody who loves to party and go out in New York and you're glamorous yeah. and all that stuff, but you're also hyper-intelligent. You're very, very smart and you're not going to meet your intellectual counterpart if the, if the people that are most attracted to you are attracted to you just because you're beautiful. So do I basically need to like grab a friend and like, hey, let's have a photo shoot. I'm going to do some things that I like to do. I'm going to look glam, but not too glam. And I'm I'm going to smile um, with a full smile. And here's um, the deal, though, Ashton. She can't be in the shot with you because the other okay. thing that doesn't yeah. work, the other thing that doesn't work is the group shots. We all yeah. know that you have friends. Everybody knows you have friends. But mm -hmm. what winds up happening is that we also tend to kind of look like some of our friends. Or or maybe our friend is like better looking than us or oh like God. better dressed yeah. than us. And then and and I have to tell you, like it it can create problems in the shot. The group shots do not do as well. They create yeah. confusion. The mm -hmm. person is not necessary unless you tag yourself. And you highlight that in the in the shot that you put on your team. I've seen that on profiles. If you're going to do a group shot, make sure people are tagged in it so the people who are potential matches can recognize you. That's what I would yeah. say. This is a problem for men that I've seen. I, I have seen just straight profiles with group shot after group shot. And that's more just to say that men don't take selfies and they don't often take photos of themselves. Um, but that makes a lot of sense. But that kind of leads me to my next question, which you kind of touched on earlier. Yes, most of my photos personally are me out drinking, 
this sounds like I have a crazy profile. It's really not. Um, I try to get across my personality and what I'm looking for. And I guess, quote unquote, my intelligence in my answers to my prompts. So this is speaking to Hinge because that is the app that I'm currently on. How important are these answers to these questions? And what should we be communicating in these answers? And again, I want to preface this by saying that this is a tricky answer. The answer raises the bar and it can make it feel to people like it's an impossible goal to achieve. But truly what we're looking for in these answers is you're looking to be unique. You're, because think about it, you have to catch somebody's attention in mm -hmm. choice overload. So imagine going through a grocery store with every brand in the world coming at you. And that's what online, that's what online dating is like. Yeah. You need, you need, you need the answers or the, or the prompts that are going to pull somebody's attention and let, and you're going to be giving them a breadcrumb for how they can respond to you and let you know that they, that they actually read, they took the mm -hmm. time to read your, your profile. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So they're really important. Yeah. They're really important. You want unique answers, but you don't want to look like a weirdo. This is the Goldilocks paradox. The Goldilocks paradox. Like you, you don't want to look too unique because then you're a weirdo. You don't want to look too normal because then you're just vanilla and people mm -hmm. are going to pass over you. You have to find something within your wheelhouse, within your personality that does allow you to stand out. You have to invest invest time in these profiles. The way you do, the way you a resume. It's like a resume. Your LinkedIn profile. For that, like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like you have to put thought into it. And I will say the 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 profiles that get the least amount of interaction and the least amount of 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 matches are the ones where people act too cool for school. They either don't put any thought into if they're not on. I know that hinges prompts only, but like moving on to other apps where they actually allow you to write a bio, people just throw mm. emojis in there or they have fragmented Ugh. sentences with maybe typos and no punctuation. I'm sorry, you're not getting a quality person that way. You're not, not going to get a quality person. And the reason why people do it that way and that is so prevalent is because we're all afraid of being vulnerable. I get it. I get it. None of us want to look like we're on dating apps and like we care too much. So people look at what other people put on their dating apps. It's the same way we learn relationship skills, which is to say we learn shitty ones because we look around us and we say, oh, well, these are how the, my loved ones interact with each other. I'll rinse and repeat it. It's a big problem. It's a big problem for relationship skills. It's a big problem for online dating because you you don't build out the proper profile that way. So it's important to look the way you do anything should reflect who you are. Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. So if you're somebody, if you're somebody who really wants a literate, intelligent, <laughs> emotionally grounded human being, put the fucking period after your sentence. <laughs> I mean, is that too much? Yeah, no, it is not. And um that actually made me reassess when I originally set up my profile. I was reading through kind of my answers again, and I was like, are these answers that I'm answering in a way that is evocative of who I am, A, but B, of who I also want to attract? And I realized that in the beginning round, it wasn't. 
and I had to make some tweaks. How do you mean? Um, so I realized that <laughs> as I approach most things, interviews, first dates, when people ask me questions, I try to answer in a way that is either funny, witty, or it's going to be interesting. Um, and I found myself leaning way too hard onto the, the humor and sarcasm side. Um, and I wasn't truly presenting myself in a way that I wanted to be presented or attracting people that I wanted to attract. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was like a little come to Jesus moment for me, scrolling through my matches and being like, okay, what's in the water? It wasn't the water. It was me. That's so funny. Um, but like literally, Ashton, the sarcasm does not always land when you do on strangers. It doesn't always yeah. land the way we want it to. That's yeah. why, that's why, unless you're really tight with people, try to avoid sarcasm in text messages. They can lead to big problems, as you well know. Um yeah. I, I really you're the only you and you and Steph, my wife, and you know, Danielle and your mom, uh, my daughter and my sister are like the only people that I would ever be sarcastic with in a text message and not even across the board that way, you know, not even amounts of sarcasm. I'm careful with sarcasm because I too want to be funny. Humor is my default. It's my love language. I love ball busting. That should be included in the, the five love languages should be six. Ball busting should be one of them. It makes me feel like the person I'm talking to feels very safe with me and secure with me. And I'm flattered when somebody busts my chops. Uh, cut to all the comments about people busting my chops <laughs> on this podcast. But literally, uh, it doesn't land well with strangers and and certainly in new relationships you want to save the humor for in real life mm-hmm. so the person can can read you your entire yeah. you know so how did you yeah. change that on your profile um so i peppered in some more genuine responses versus i i just tried to blend it because i am a sarcastic person and at the end of the day i don't think i could be with somebody who a doesn't understand sarcasm and b can't give it back to me so i had to kind of add in more authentic things like wholesome things so for example i was like what are you looking for um I put something about someone who knows how to roast me which is essentially like what you just said um and then i also put someone who values mental health. Um, I had been tweaked it to like therapy or someone who's been to therapy, but I didn't want to give that a negative connotation in any way because some people may misconstrue that. Um, So I just found a way to balance like my personality with what I was actually looking for. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I put that I like to read. So hopefully that attracts men who are literate (laughs) and enjoy reading or just appreciate it. so that has yielded um, better responses for me and hence why I went on my first date. Um, nice. I'm glad. You know, and I know you. I know that you were having okay responses initially, which is why I was not like, hey, Ashton, let's sit down and go through your profile. Because A, I'm not trying to do that to my family members, and you are my niece, for those of you who don't know that. And B, I, uh, you know, nobody really wants that in their personal life. And in turn, until I learned how to dial that strength down, well, I mean, when I'm asked for it, I'm happy to give it. But like, unless I'm being directly asked and you were getting okay results, you weren't unhappy with your results. You know what it was? On paper, I wasn't. But then when I started talking to these men, I was like, hmm, 
interesting or things were just falling flat. Um, and I'm kind of at a point where in my dating priorities, I am more trying to attract versus actively chase or actively try to hold all the conversations and the weight of that and follow up for plans. Like that is no longer what I'm interested in doing. Um, someone's intentions to me will be very clear um, from the beginning. And that's kind of how I've been making, navigating this new scene. Um, but yeah, so that's been interesting. So now that we have our profile set up, uh, we have all of our photos, our prompts, all of that. Now maintaining it. How often are we supposed to be checking this app? And if someone messages us, how fast do we respond? So you have to check it every day. Like I said, there is a lot of choice out there. And if you're not checking your app and responding to people who like something about your profile or or match with you, they're going to be there. They're, they're, I'm sorry to create scarcity, but there are five people behind you that are interacting with your potential match. And that person is becoming distracted and engaged with mm -hmm. somebody else. So you've got to respond. You have to look at your app every day. And I like to say somewhere between 15 and 30 minutes a day. I know it's a lot of work, but like for the love of God, the person you're going to wind up with is so important. It is that the partner that you wind up with, even if it doesn't wind up being a forever situation, has such a huge influence on what your life is going to look like. You know, and I can yeah. talk more about that later. But so I would I would I would say 15 to 30 minutes a day checking your app. And also you got to respond within 24 hours if people are are mm -hmm are messaging you, if they're DMing you or liking any parts of your profile, you have to respond within 24 hours. But again, back to the Goldilocks um, example, you don't want to do it so fast that you look mm -hmm. thirsty and yeah. desperate. So you do want a little bit of a delay. I wouldn't, unless you're in a hardcore conversation with somebody, like you're literally communicating in real time, I'd probably wait a half hour to respond. Well, no problem. Um, <laughs> if anything, I feel like most people have the op like the opposite problem, um, which we're all guilty of. It's another app. It's another notification. Um, uh, it's a pain in the ass. I know it is, but yeah, it's, but it's, important. if it's important to you, then you make time for it, basically, um, which kind of leads me to my next question. And also something that you told me once that I thought was so interesting. Um, how important is it that we are actively swiping versus just going through our likes, which is something that I'm guilty of because that's fun for me. I don't have to worry about being rejected or taking a chance because look, it's just like, wow, look at all these people today that found me interesting or attractive. How fun. Um, and I remember you said to me, well, you need to be swiping. You cannot just be doing that. And that kind of took me aback a little bit. And can you explain why? <laughs> well, first of all, I think you just did a great job of explaining why you literally why our our inclination is to not be the one initiating communication, especially as women. Um, mm -hmm. but but anyone who could armor themselves against rejection would be inclined to do it that way. I understand that. The problem Ooh. with just responding just me a little bit. <laughs> you did already. <laughs> I know, I know. The 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 problem with doing it that way is that you're passively waiting for somebody 
to reach out to you and you're hoping that the right person is somebody who's going to reach out to you. And I just think that like in no other aspect of our life where an important life decision is being made, would we be passively sitting back? You know, you're not waiting for your ideal college to knock on your door or your ideal career path to like roll out a red carpet right in front of you and show you the way down to that path. Everything requires a little bit of vulnerability and a lot of a lot of active participation. And I just, I would never want you to rely on somebody else finding you attractive or finding your profile that it speaks to them. I would never want you to rely on that. You know what you're looking for. You know what you're attracted to. Why not initiate? especially on on apps. It's so easy. It's not like you're in a bar. And I don't want to say that the level of rejection is minimal, but it's a little minimal on a dating app. It's not like you're in a bar face to face and the guy's like, yeah, you're not my type. Not that people would ever say that, but I mean, maybe they would. Oh yeah, no, they will. And um, (laughs) I'm I'm sure they have. Um, I'm sure I blocked it out at some point. Um, that that so would you would you agree that then it's important to balance out the equal chasing versus attracting element when it comes to dating apps because one hundred little bit of both yes you don't okay. like, nobody wants to be in the position even guys guys don't want to be in a position where they're constantly initiating communication constantly initiating intimacy with a with a person nobody wants to be the only person with skin in the game, doing the pursuit. There's got to be reciprocity. That said, the beginning of the communication, you need to be a little, you need to pace yourself because what what happens sometimes is that people get all the all the answers and all the questions answered so early on in, in the relationship, in the conversation, that by the time they go on the first or second date. They don't have much to discuss. This also happens early on in dating where people are texting all day long. Mm-hmm. And when they get together, they have nothing to report yeah. to each other. It's a big problem. This it's happened to me. Problem. Yeah. It happened to me with a guy I talked to for two weeks, actually, when I was staying with you and I was finally back in the city and um, we both mutually kind of ghosted each other. And um, yeah, we I, we just let it go. And I was like, yeah, I feel like I know you too much already. But that kind of brings me to my next question, which is um, how soon is too soon to A, ask for someone's number and B, ask them out. And I just want to preface this with personally, I get a little freaked out when a guy's immediate immediate um, first communication with me on the app is either A, one of you three, I want to take this off the app. Like I do better in person or B, what's your phone number? I never check this because I'm sorry. You have 15 minutes or less or more to mm-hmm. um, craft something somewhat intelligent to keep me interested. Like it just, oh, it just rubs me the wrong way. Maybe other and people I, disagree. And no, and I get it. I get why a guy would say that. It Again, there's so many people just want to find what they're looking for. But we, it doesn't work that way because mm-hmm. there's... There's an X factor in this. There's chemistry in this. There's excitement and seduction in this. You have to put that forward. You have to seduce each other. And time. Like, why would I give you my time? There's like 20 other people in queue. This is not blowing air up my ass. It's literally just the numbers 
on the app um, that would would be interested in going out with me. Why should I choose you? We're all New Yorkers. We're busy. Like, yeah. Put put a little effort in. Like, come on. So I think you answered your own question. I do think that oh. there needs to be a little bit of earned. You have to earn that first date, both of you. I don't Fair. think you should feel pressure to give out your phone number or to meet up with someone immediately. That said, there's a window of opportunity. And sometimes people spend too much time online, whether that's texting, they've exchanged phone numbers already, or just straight up on the app. And then they like, again, it's almost like you feel like you know the person already. You've already disclosed so much about yourself and learned so much about the other person and it kind of dies on the vine. That's mm -hmm. no good. So you're looking, it's going to change with every person, but I would say three to five exchanges, you gotta, you gotta move, move it along. You gotta get off the app. The purpose, purpose of the app is to get off the app. Yeah. You know? Yes. That makes sense. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be literally on this date, kind of reassessing our interactions leading up to this, but obviously something worked because we're going out. How long, um, wait, let me just ask. So how many interactions did you and this guy have? Um, so we had, I would say under 10, but we're both very talkative people. Um, uh, and interestingly enough, he was traveling abroad for two weeks and he said, Hey, letting you know, I'm going to be gone. Um, however, I know how quick this world is. I know how dating works. I really want to see you when I get back. So can you at least hold the space for me in October and I will circle back. I and love I was, that. I, I was so that. impressed. Yes. And I was yes. like, of course. I said, you know what? Sure, you've got yourself a deal. So I completely forget because it's been two weeks and whatever. Um, and he followed up. And that's where I'm going tonight. And I was really impressed. So I love that. Date number yeah. two. Date candidate yeah. number two. I'm I'm liking this. I'm liking this a lot. No, that was yeah. perfect because can I just tell you how many uh roadblocks he bypassed by being so direct? Communicate and communicating that yes. to me. Versus yes. just going on the trip and then coming back later and being like, hey, I'm sorry I was traveling. Like, just come give on. somebody the heads up. Give somebody so the heads easy. up. I, it's so easy, but it's so, it's so sophisticated as well. Yeah, sometimes I appreciated right, it. Sometimes the right move is, is quite obvious in hindsight mm -hmm. and can be simple because you don't have to clean up a mess later. No. And I don't have to make up these theories about you in my head or, you know, come to a jump conclusion about you. Uh, but it also was just very intentional. I really appreciate when people's intentions come across. So, yeah, I do, too. I appreciate that. And it like side note, same thing with texting. Sometimes I'll start a text mm -hmm. and, and, you know, I am I text like a dude. I'm the worst texter. Everybody says it. I'm like short to the point. No, I, I tend periods to not, everywhere. I, I, I well, I'm quite punctual because like the way I do it, I want you to understand what the fuck I'm saying. A and B, I often don't start with the niceties or end with the niceties. It can be very abrupt and to the point. But yeah. the yeah. point I'm trying to get to, aside from the fact that I'm a terrible texter, which doesn't mean that men are terrible texters. It just means that my style of texting can land on people a little abruptly. The same thing that's good, candidate number two did with you about his trip is what you have to do when you're in the middle of a text exchange and you got to jump. Mm -hmm. You need to say yeah. more later, got to jump more later. You don't have yep. to write a whole book about why. Just no. say, 
got to jump more later. And then you then you bypass so much hurt feelings and so much confusion. I just did that actually with him because he's actively texting me right now and like asking me questions. I was like, hey, I'm hopping on a podcast to talk about you. Um, I'll be back in an hour. No, I didn't say that, but I did say <laughs> God. Oh my God, that's amazing. I love that. No, I just let him know, give him a heads up because I quite literally am not going to be able to text you back. And our date is in like two hours. God forbid he asked me like a pivotal question. So yeah, that, that was super um, important to me and um, loved that. So speaking of dates, now let's talk about what the do's and don'ts of a first date are. And I'm going to kind of structure this as a speed round, like a lightning-esque thing, because there are so many questions and I doubt we'll cover them all. I shall do my best to answer them in a concise way. I am not known for being able to do that, but I shall try. Me neither. And I'll circle back if I if I have more questions. Okay. So what are three questions that you recommend people always ask somebody on a first date? Okay. So you start with a doozy. Stop the fucking clock. Stop the clock. I can't do this in 30 seconds. This can't be part of a lightning lightning round. Literally. Okay. Here's my disclaimer. And I touched on this a few minutes ago, but now I'm going to go into this properly. What we know about people who are in happy long-term relationships is that the stuff that that the common denominators are all about shared values and principles and a shared level of emotional intelligence. And it doesn't matter what level you're at, it should just be the same level. It should just be the same level. So you got to figure out how emotionally intelligent the person is before you've got too much skin in the game, because we all know the minute you get too much skin in the game, suddenly your deal breakers and must-haves, they become moldable and negotiable and we spin oh. things. So you have to ask. So these are the, uh, the these are the most unsexy questions imaginable. And I realize that they're going to be off-putting. You got to figure this out date one or two. You got okay. to. So the first question is seatbelts. Oh God. Tell me about your last relationship. No, I thought we weren't supposed to talk about our, our exes on the Who's first date. That? Who the fuck said that? No, you I... have to a little bit. You oh. have to a little bit. Stop. Let me just elaborate on, on the real question. Tell me about your last relationship. I don't stop there. I say, what did you love about it? And what did you not love about it? That's a fair question. It and is, I guess, right? after I mean, a few you, drinks. You. I guess I, for all my dates, I could just link the first podcast episode for them. Um, but, oh, yeah, you weren't kidding. A doozy, huh? And, and then, and they, and, and then it, it goes from there. So from there, uh, why, why didn't it work out? I know. I know you're cringing. Yeah, I am. You, you have to fucking know why it didn't work out because here's the thing. You have to know, unless you're in a situation like you were in, and I'm not saying this because you're on my niece, are my niece. And if people are listening to this for the first time, go back to the previous episode. You'll understand what I'm referencing. But you, Ashton, it's not that you walk on water. You were literally, you were blindsided by a betrayal in your last relationship. But for that, you, if unless that's your situation, then... You need to be able to answer that question from your own perspective and identify what you did 
to contribute to the demise of the relationship. And that is what I'm looking for there. I'm looking for evidence of critical thinking. I'm looking for evidence of a healthy ego, somebody who can zoom out, look at themselves and be like, you know what? I didn't do this, this, or this. Uh, my like, for So example, taking accountability. Uh-huh. Of, yeah, you okay. need to be able to see your role and how, because so rarely is it just one side. You're the mm -hmm. exception. You're not the rule. You're not the norm. Most relationships end because both people failed to do things to save it. And because both people contributed to the problems in the relationship. So you want to see if the person has the ability to identify their role in the last relationship. And if those two things haven't made you stop this podcast, then this last question, <laughs> this last question for sure will. Um, what have you done since then to ensure mm -hmm. that you won't repeat that mistake in your next relationship? Wow. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Think about this. In any other, if you were interviewing for a job, they would, of course, want to look, what is one of the most common interview questions? What are your greatest weaknesses? And then the follow-up to that has to be, what have you done to bridge the gap so that that weakness is getting developed into a strength or becoming less of a weakness? You have to ask the question. If you think about how important a relationship is, a long-term relationship, irrespective of whether or not it turns into marriage or a lifetime partnership, that every long-term relationship has such an impact on who you become. It will, it will inform where you live, how, how career-oriented you are or how not career-oriented you are, what your peer group looks like, the people that you get exposed to, politics. It is one of the most important decisions you will make is the person you want to spend a couple years with or more. And you've got to take that seriously. So you can't wait until you've caught feelings to get the answers to these questions, which is what everyone does. Everybody waits and yeah. because they feel like it's going to be off-putting. We have to stop walking on eggshells around potential partners and view them through a lens of, I need to rule out people who are not right for me. So if the person answers your question with, like, the first question, they've never had a relationship, I can I can give that a pass depending on the age. I can give that a pass. Okay. But what I can't give a pass to is, unless you were, like, straight up betrayed and cheated on, if you the your contribution to why that relationship didn't work out is because you didn't see the red flags and you've done nothing about that. So it was all the other person's fault. And you've not done anything to fix your, your propensity to hide your head in the sand. You got to move on. You got to move on from that person. Right. But granted, these are que questions that you should be asking if you are looking for a long-term partner, which I almost makes me wonder because it's not always clear. When you meet these people, before you ask these questions, should you be asking, what are you looking for? 100%. I didn't even know that when I went on my first date. And to be fair, I mean, I still don't know it. We still kind of talk, but he never asked me. And if he did ask me, I honestly don't know what I would have said back. So I feel like that's something that I need to stuff out based for on sure. what you're telling me. For sure. And what I will say is that going back to uh, dating profiles, 
You got to put what you're looking for in the dating profile. People don't. I mean, it's an option on Hinge now. It's an option. What? Do you realize how crazy that is? And I know why it happens. I know why it happens. It's because... By and large, it's because we know that there are avoidant people or people who are commitment phobes, and we've 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 learned how to work around that. And the way we work around that is to not be in integrity with what we're looking for and hoping that the person will be looking for the same thing that we're looking for when we meet them. And instead, what happens is we wind up meeting someone, catching feelings for them, five, six, seven dates in, we find out they're really looking for something casual. And we've got so much skin in the game that we're not willing to extricate ourselves from it. But is it possible that, for example, I am maybe not looking for a super long-term relationship right now? That is my goal eventually. But I also know myself quite well. And it is quite possible that if I met somebody and the chemistry was there, they ticked the boxes. I There were no like super red flags. It's possible that I could fall for them and I would be open to then changing my goals and what I'm looking for. And if memory and unless Hinge has changed everything in two weeks, I'm pretty sure if memory serves me that one of the options is open to a long-term relationship. Short-term open to long-term. Right. Short-term open to open to long-term. Yeah. So, so, so indicate that at the very least, at the very least. Okay. You know, we, we have to let people know what we're looking for. We have Mm -hmm. to, and we have, because here's the other thing. Do you want an avoidant? Do you want somebody who's going to be a commitment phobe? So then repel them, repel them with honesty, repel them with honesty. So I need to, I need to grab my, my big girl panties and ask this man, this question on this date at some point, because I did not do that on my last first date. And here I am three weeks later, a bit confused. I'm literally scared for you. I feel a FaceTime call happening within the next four hours. Um, and <laughs> hearing that this all this advice blew up in in your face, and I pray that it doesn't. But honestly, no. re- part of the reason, again, it the same principles apply to every aspect of life. Yeah, this, you have you will repel the people you don't want by being honest. You don't want those people. You don't want to be the girl who's going to change that guy. You're not going to, you don't want to put in that kind of work when there's a million guys. So if they have choice overload, Ashton, you have choice overload. You have a million guys behind every match that are willing to meet you. Why why the hell not grab your ovaries, put down that you're interested in a long-term relationship. And obviously that's that's dependent on the person showing up. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you're not looking yeah. for a long-term relationship with with a, with any old person that shows their face. It's got to be a totally. got to be an appropriate person. Which I think is why I wait to get to those harder hitting questions because there are other smaller boxes for me that need to be ticked before I know whatever happened with your last your last girlfriend. Like, even down to like okay, like, are you hygienic? Do you smell nice? Like, um, I don't know. Oh my God, you're killing me. I love that. Yes, I get it. Are you remotely funny? Like, yeah. Can you laugh at yourself? You're not going to last in this family if you can't. I love laughing at myself. Um, Not you, the guy, uh, the potential match, I'm saying. Like, you're not. Oh, yeah, you got to be able to take it. The holiday dinner, 
with somebody who takes themselves too seriously and can't laugh at themselves. They would never be at a holiday dinner unless I accidentally dated one and wasn't aware, which I might have. I don't think you did. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> so that was your first lightning round question. Answer took 10 minutes. Go that on. That was a thunderstorm question. All right. Now we'll do a lightning one. Okay. So this is obviously more for hetero people, but I guess it could, you can speak to it on any level. Is there ever an appropriate occasion to split the bill on a first date? So it's tricky. I mean, here's, here's what I'll say. I'll say that it's appropriate to offer to split. I think it's appropriate to offer to split. Every time? Well, keep it to a drink. That, that's not, oh, okay. That's, that's not a huge investment. T keep it to a drink. Okay. And also, if one of you is loaded, just fucking pick the tab up. Just pick the tab yeah. up. Like, yeah. if one of you is objectively, like, people know when they're loaded. Nobody's confused about that. Well, if you put your job on, like, your profile, like, I know the investment banker is going to pay the tab. Right. Like, I'm a but, And it's appropriate like, to offer to split it. It's appropriate to offer, like, here's my card. It's just appropriate, you know? So I should it, be offering to split? I would offer to split. Oh, that honestly is very shocking to me. Um. <laughs> okay, well, I'll think about that one. Okay. Um, well, what I would do is just buy the next round or be like, totally. oh, let me get you a drink, you know? Totally. Yeah, whatever you do, like, you don't have to split every single drink, like, down the middle. No, 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 which I would not do. I'm and sorry. My time is worth at least a drink. I, I agree. I concur. I concur. Oh, my God. Okay. All right. So, which leads me to my second question. How do you decide if there will be a second date and whose decision is it unless they're like outwardly like I did not, you know, enjoy this or, you know, whatever. And it's not extremely obvious, which I have been on dates before where it's not quite obvious. Right. If there should be a second date. So if they haven't repelled you and you <laughs> think there's potential, I would say go in for the second date. But there has to be some potential. There has to be a little bit of, they can't just not tick any negative boxes and just be neutral. There have to mm. be some elements of intrigue that are that are pulling you towards the person. And um, yeah, I mean. So the neutral people are a no to a second date. Because I have a lot of girlfriends who I ask them how their dates are. And they say, it wasn't bad. And it just seems like. And if it wasn't bad and if there was some, if you think there's some potential, you need that second date to know. Okay, you need okay. the second date to know. So okay. you do a second date, but that doesn't, that's not a green flag to date. No, oh, oh no, no, no. Not at all. You're done. No, the goal of the first date is to rule out people who are absolutely not Red a flag. match and rule in potential. If you happen to have butterflies and like you're jumping out of your skin with excitement, that is a score and that is that is ideal, but I would not expect mm -hmm. that of of potential. You know, some people are not a they're a slow warm. Think about the people we're related to. Like some of them are a slow warm and we can't expect them to just show up and be able to like welcome people into their world and, and do it the way they do with us especially if you're nervous to date like dating is a very anxiety anxiety driven process if you are prone to that 
But okay, so that then leads me to the next point. So, all right, you're interested in a second date. You're hoping they're interested. But who, and I feel like this is more like traditional gender roles here, but who should text who after the date to let them know either A, thank you, or B, I had a nice time? So if you want a second date, guys, you lock that down on the first date or in the text message that just follows. And I'm going to sound, I don't care what I fucking sound like here. I'm just telling you, that's what you got to do. You do not wait for the for the the person you just were on a date with to but i would also say that if you really like the person text them i had a great time thanks so much yeah and i would do it i would do it at the very latest the next morning timing is everything Mm -hmm. because think Mm -hmm. about it they're going to be in their head thinking you're not into them yeah and they could go back on the app and just start yep you know what exactly the new night Yep. No, I'm that is um really I'm really happy that you said that because I decided to do that from my last date. Um well actually he did say he was there, I'd love to see you again, but okay. there was nothing concretely like discussed. And we we're both a little a little drunk anyways. Um so I should we talk like, about that? Oh yeah, yeah, we should talk <laughs> about that. Should we that. talk about that? Um, like how how is it you found yourself drunk? Well, if you know me, this is not a surprise. Um, I'm a drinker and, but I hold myself well, like there, it's not like a problematic thing. It's just like, I, you know, I just, I'm out. It's New York. Um, we went from one bar to another bar. And, um, by the time we had realized that we were hungry and had not eaten food, it was like 11 o'clock at night and we were drunk and our options were very limited in the area. But yeah, how... (laughs) How much is too much? I usually try to watch my date. Like mm-hmm. if they're not getting another one, I probably won't. Is that like a good like guideline to I think you need to have you need to have a meal before you go out so that you have like a little bit of lining in your stomach of food. Right. Yeah. And ideally. I, I would try to keep it to like look, even if the date is great, are you gonna hang out all night long? I mean, I guess maybe. I did uh, that on my on a date with my last yeah. boyfriend. We know how that worked out. But yeah, our date ended at 3 a.m. at a bar. Okay. All right. So maybe yeah. like spread it out because maybe you could have seen some of the executive functioning flags uh, had you spread that out a little bit longer. Yeah, that that's such a good point. I saw that on the second date where we didn't drink. Um, that's so interesting. I would keep it to, I would try to stay, I would try to stay within, I would not want to be drunk. I would want to be well within the buzzed parameter or the, that part of the spectrum. I would not want to be, you don't know who you're with yet. You don't know who you're with, you know? Yeah. All right, Ashton. She's not going to listen to me. She's not going to listen to me and it's fine. But but you know, I love you no matter what. So take it for what it's worth. I will. I mean, I was curious. Um, Yeah. But that um, actually makes a beautiful segue to the next question, because I feel like the amount you drink sometimes is directly correlated to what happens next. And this is a question that I think is a topic that's been like hotly discussed for such a long time is should you sleep with them on the first date? And if you do, especially as a woman, are you eliminating your chances for a future relationship by doing that? Um, I will be happy to crowdsource uh, my male clients starting right after this. That said, uh, listen, 
If you're DTF, do people still use that acronym? Yeah. Like, if, you're, if, you're, if you're okay with a hookup and you're looking for sex, then of course it's fine to do. If you're hoping for a relationship, listen, the beginning of the relationship, the begin the dating, like that is the best of the best. It never gets better than that. It never gets better than really? that. So why are you going to burn through that? Why not like build it? Why not build the anticipation? The whole thing is about seduction. Why not enjoy the flirt? Why not burn that energy and and let that heat build between the two of you? Why, especially in a heterosexual situation where you risk that a guy is going to interpret that in a fucked up way? Yeah. Unless what you're looking for is super casual and you're just like, I mean, maybe the guy is like dumb as a stone, but hot as they come. Well, then have your way, but use a condom, you know? Okay. Okay. Love that. <laughs> um, yeah. Unfortunately for me, like, I do not care how hot you are. If you are on dumb as a stone, I'm leaving you with the rest of the rocks because I, oh, it just, I can't. Like, it, it'll be a desert down there. Um <laughs> Things I didn't need to hear. Go on. <laughs> we can edit that out. Okay. Um, okay. So my last question is, how do you handle if you are not interested in seeing somebody again, um, but they are only because I feel like most of the time, if we're both not interested, it's just silence, ghosting. But what mm -hmm. happens when they're not dead and they try right. to come back? Right. Listen. I understand the sense that people get that it's kinder to ghost when you, we've all been ghosted professionally, personally, we've all been ghosted. It leaves the person with so many questions and it's a little bit of a gaslight situation. I know that it feels nicer to not directly tell somebody that you're not into them. I think you got to tell somebody that you're not into them. And sometimes there's a reason. And if I'm on the receiving end of that and I'm feeling okay about my self-esteem that day and that changes day to day with me as it does for a lot of people, um, I might even ask, was there something that happened that was off-putting? Wow. I know. Crazy, That's right? so sometimes ballsy. I can be a little masochistic at times, but, <laughs> but it's an important exit interviews or everything. And what if the reason you're not inter interested is because the picture I posted was me 10 years ago? <gasps> oh, well, wow. the same way. I don't look yeah. the same way. And, 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 and it's a public service for you to tell me, <laughs> listen, that picture, I didn't recognize you. I felt like the picture looked like a, I was looking, I didn't feel like you looked like your picture. Wow. I mean, that's very fair. That, that reason is very fair. Um, well, most people aren't going to ask because most people are not emotional cutters the way I don't want to know or don't want to know. I um, actually would so prefer if a guy were to be straight up with me and be like, hey, like I had a good time with you, but I just don't think that we've like good chemistry, whatever. Great. Delete. Like that's one thing off my list. Or potential friend or potential colleague or potential oh, client. Network. Yes. Network with your dick. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I, I. I, I wish people could approach this whole dating process with a different lens of win-win. You're going to be meeting people 
who you might want in your circle at some time. Yeah. Or in your life, like make sure every date ends nicely and appropriately and that they don't want to delete you Mm because you don't need to delete each other just because it's not a good match. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like some of my closest people are, well, I mean, this speaks to a different phenomenon, but like some of my closest people are exes. A month ago, we were on the beach. We saw we saw one of my exes and had a great afternoon with them. You know what I well, mean? Well, there's a difference between an ex and like a guy that you went on a date with. Um, but I love what you just said because I personally, when I date, I have fun on every single date I've ever been on because I make it fun. I know usually halfway through the date how I'm feeling, um, but I'm already out, already dressed up. We're, we're in New York City. Let's at least try to have a good time. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I do really love that. And um, that I think makes eating not scary. I, absolutely. I think that you have to approach it through a lens of fun. If you can mm-hmm. approach it through a lens of fun. And, you know, sometimes I use different language with clients. I'm like, think of it as a social experiment. Pretend I'm in an earbud in your ear while you're going on the date. I don't know if that's, <laughs> that could be paralyzing to some people. Depending <laughs> Hold on, on. My therapist is coming in. Hold 100%. on. for a no, she's not here. It's just my inner monologue that she sometimes helps narrate. Oh my God, that's so funny. Which I have in my head of you. Um, anyway. And I am not your therapist for the record. Never have no. been, never would be. But the most important thing is to approach it with lightheartedness and humor. And just, we learn so much about ourselves on dates. Mm-hmm. We really mm-hmm. do. Just do it. Make friends, collect friends, collect people who are fans of you collect a tribe, you know? Yeah, I totally know. I mean, if there are fans out there of myself that I don't know, especially we've been on a date, um, feel free to, um, well, subscribe to this podcast, but that's great. But also, but also who doesn't need more friends? I spe- like, it's true, especially in New York, you know, it's hard out here. Um, it's it's lonely everywhere. It's lonely everywhere. Yeah. Collect friends. Try and keep it lighthearted. Try and have a diverse win-win outcome so that even if it's not an intimate, like, slam dunk, there's another way that you guys, who knows if you're going to do business together at some future point, mm-hmm. if they're going to be a contact for you, uh, approach everyone like you're going to need them again in the future. Oh, and wow. that way you do it right. That was a gem. That was a gem. Right. Every now and then, Ashton. Okay. I love that. I'm definitely going into this date with a slightly different um, mindset than I had originally planned. Um, Maybe I'll just have one glass of wine before and not two. See, growth. Love that. (laughs) So on our next episode, we're debriefing about our own therapy experiences as clients. And that's you, Darcy, as a therapist, dishing on the therapist you've actually had. And you are going to tell us everything we need to know about how to find a therapist, how to know if it's the right one, and what to expect from therapy in general, because it's such a veiled process. And you don't even know what therapy is or like what it should be until you're a patient. It's so true. It it should literally be a requirement that shrinks go to therapy first before becoming a shrink. It's highly encouraged. It's not required. I think it should be. Uh, I'm looking forward to that conversation with you. And I'm looking forward to hearing how this date goes. I'm going to have to ask you that at the top of the next one. So with that said, would you mind reading us out? We Need to Talk with Dr. Darcy is a Sterling Standard production. 
Special thanks to Amanda Cristiani and Stephanie Sterling. Our engineers are still us. If you like today's show, please follow us by searching We Need to Talk with Dr. Darcy Sterling. If you love today's show, please give us a rating. We'll be back on Tuesday with our therapy confession. Thank you.